0: Welcome to This Is Where You Came From. I'm your host, Amber Tapley. This podcast is all about sharing stories about pregnancy, parenting, babies, and birth, about ancestral wisdom, botanical medicine, and all the threads that connect us to ourselves, this earth, and each other. These stories will show us the magic and the mundane all mixed in together. There'll be interviews with folks from all over the world, parents, healers, teachers, and learners. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy you're here.
1: And Mel was there again, so Mel knew it. And um, we'd kind of, she'd been like false labor for maybe the last two months of the pregnancy.
0: Hello, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining us today. So today we're talking with Deborah Page, who is the mother to four children, a homeschooling mother to four children, uh, originally from South Africa and relocated to Cape Breton three years ago. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Amber, for having me. So do you want to tell us how, what's your story? How did you end up here from where you were? Well,
1: um, I immigrated when I was a teenager, my parent, my dad and my stepmom had immigrated to Canada when I was 16. So I came and decided I would do a year. And that year has now led to 22 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then um, when I was 24 years old, I'd graduated as a registered massage therapist here in, in Halifax, actually at um, a community college mm-hmm. for massage therapy. And I broke my wrist. So oh, I decided no. <laughs> I needed a break because massage therapy and broken bones. Don't work as well, so I went to Europe mm-hmm. and I travelled and I met my husband. Aww. And uh, the condition was we couldn't live in England because I didn't want to live there forever. So it was South Africa or Canada, and he said he was happy to live in Canada because he likes snow, silly boy. So we uh, we moved back to Canada and we were to get we were in Ontario okay. for ten years before we moved to Nova Scotia in Cape mm-hmm. Red. So. Cool. Yeah. Nova Scotia has always been my home since I moved to Canada. So I, I always wanted to get back to Nova Scotia, but we were in Ontario for his work and my clinic just seemed to do really well. So that's okay. where we were.
0: Amazing. And we're so happy to have you here on the island because you bring a really lovely energy to it. So thank
1: you. We love Cape Breton. It's fantastic.
0: It's fantastic. Yeah. It is. I really love it too. <laughs> Wonderful. So today you're going to share uh some of your birth stories so you have four children what are their ages and their names
1: so ethan is my eldest and he is 10 he was 10 in november and then i've got james he is eight kayla is six and matthew is four so they're all 18 months to 22 months apart which was not planned.
0: Uh, (laughs)
1: Just the way the ships passed in the night. So (laughs) so, So you've been busy uh, for
0: the last 10 years. It
1: was and was very, very intense the first six years. Mm. So my oldest son, Ethan, now uh, we know that he has ASD, he's high functioning autism. Mm -hmm. But when he was our first and the youngest, he was, uh, he just was all we knew. So we didn't know Mm -hmm. any difference, really. We just thought that people had made parenting out to be much easier than it was. (laughs) And we couldn't understand why our child never slept ever, right? why he struggled with feeding. And so, um, yeah, we, we wanted lots of children and then we had Ethan and we're like, whoa, this is way harder than we thought. Maybe (laughs) we'll just do one or two later. (laughs) yeah, And, um, So, yeah, we were surprised and a little bit horrified when James was expecting so soon after Ethan, because I hadn't slept in a year and a half when we got Mm -hmm. pregnant. And, um, but yeah, James is a a much different sleeper. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, but very glad they're all here now, obviously. (laughs) It wasn't
0: beyond intense in the beginning. Yeah, I think sometimes we're, we're a little bit uh, deluded about what parenting might actually look like, because I think we're not we're not often told stories of what it means to parent babies that are, that are neurodiverse or, you know, what happens when there, there might be different like health concerns or things that can just make parenting a lot harder, especially with our firstborns.
1: Exactly. And there's no, there's no comparison. And I always thought that that was the biggest disservice anyone Mm -hmm. had ever done for us as a pair as parents, because no one, I mean, we just thought, and people would say like, you're spoiling the baby. And I always thought that was the worst possible advice, but Uh, Or he's very needy or, uh, I mean, it turns out that he actually was because he needed more. But um, yeah, yeah, it was a very hard road, that first child. It (laughs) was so much easier.
0: Yeah, (laughs) well, I think we need to hear about about (laughs) Ethan's story.
1: Yeah. And well, and Ethan's story actually was the easiest birth and pregnancy okay. because we, we, I was young and strong mm-hmm. and uh, we were very excited. We wanted to be parents. We tried a very long time to get pregnant. And um, yeah, we were just all around very excited. He came early. So he was three and a half weeks early. Okay. And um, we, we had started hypnobirthing with a friend, like a really good friend of mine. She, was teaching hypnobirthing uh-huh. so we were her very first clients uh-huh. so we were meeting with her on zoom uh-huh. the equivalent of zoom you know 10 years ago right and we were we were doing her courses and so we had the book and we'd i well i had read the book martin had read the pieces that i told him he had to read uh-huh. <laughs> So yep. and then um yeah so i had said and i'd always thought that i was hope comfortable with whatever his birth would be Mm -hmm. and it would be whatever it was and it would be okay and I was all zen about it and then I went into labor very early and I'm like no you have to be Mm -hmm. born on my birth plan (laughs) (laughs) so I was driving to the hospital I went into labor at midnight And at like 12.45, the midwife said, come to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And when I got in the car, I was like, I haven't even packed a bag or anything. Because I was so Mm -hmm. comfortable that this baby would be born exactly according to plan. Even though I kept saying, whatever will be, will be. I lied. (laughs) (laughs) I lied 100%. (sighs) And we're driving to the hospital. And I just cried. I'm like, I don't want this baby in the hospital. Hospitals are for sick people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... My midwife that was helping us at the time, she was new. She had just graduated. And she, um, she put the monitors on to read the contractions. And she said, well, they're, you know, they're still far enough apart. This baby's mm-hmm. probably not coming today. And so I stood up to leave and my water's broke. Oh. I was like, no, there's still time to get home. And she's yep. like, yeah, you can't leave. And I'm like, yeah, I can. <laughs> so I, I was still so determined that we were going to go home and I had my home birth. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, no, I was vetoed. So oh, no. there <laughs> was, yeah, it wasn't a suggestion. It was your water's broken. We can't, you can't leave now. Because <laughs> anything could happen. <laughs> Yeah. So, and uh, you know, my husband was also a first time dad and he really wasn't overly comfortable with the home birth in the first place. I convinced him. So now we were in the hospital. We were not leaving. He was not going anywhere with me. Gotcha. So, um, it was very, very fast labor. So I was expecting, you know, first baby to be long and slow and, Mm -hmm. uh, he was not. So from beginning to end was six hours for my first baby. And he was turned so it was all back labor and I had not anticipated that so I was actually quite upset with myself for being in pain because I was so convinced that like I was going to hypnobirth myself through it and I was going to mind of a matter and Mm -hmm. everything was okay and I trust my body and all this but I was surprised at the intensity of the Mm -hmm. low back pain. So I ended up laboring on the toilet most of the time in the hospital room. Yeah. And then um, the way that the, this midwifery clinic works in Ontario is that there's always two midwives. So there's your primary midwife who sees yeah. you throughout the care and then the secondary midwife who is there in case of emergencies and also said there's one midwife for the baby, one midwife for the mom.
2: Totally. So
1: my second midwife arrived and she, oh, she was she'd been doing it 30 years and she just changed the energy of the space so differently so she walked in she turned off the lights she took everything out of the room that was not absolutely essential for like me just to focus on birth yeah. she moved me from the toilet to a birthing stool okay. <laughs> closer to the bed yeah. and um Yeah. She just, there was like music and she just changed the energy. So she, I mean, she was very different to the new midwife who was, you know, intense with the energy that I was having. Mm -hmm. And then we, I got up over to the bed and I was facing the back of the bed. So the head was almost like the bed was in a seated position. And I was, I think I was on my hands and knees at that point Mm -hmm. and um, felt this intense urge to push. And they were telling me to wait (laughs) because I wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. So they had like all these hot compresses up against me, trying to stretch me and get me ready. And um, there was no waiting, which is incredible because the urge to move through what your body wants to do. I had no idea that that was going to happen. And then I experienced the ring of fire. And then I was like, yep, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Finished. I don't want to do this anymore. And I think, I mean, and that's something I've now spoken to moms about. Now, um, like pregnant moms, is that mm-hmm. you know, when no one talks about these things like this urge that is so deep and primal to push, yeah. you don't push, you just it just happens. Mm-hmm. And this also this this ring of fire, which you think is going to break you open from the inside out forever. Yeah. And that the baby will come out bit by bit, you know what I mean? Like the head, then the shoulders, and this intensity is going to go through the whole thing. And it's literally once the head's out, then that's over. So- I knew that for the experts. <laughs> we're, not, we're not hanging out here long. You're, you're yep. out. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then my parents arrived to the hospital, and we were out of. The, we left the hospital within three hours. Wow! With this brand new baby, and we're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? Why did I us
0: out with this kid? Wow! <laughs> So did you give birth at all in Cape Breton or was it all in Ontario? It was
1: all in Ontario, which, you know, I feel, I feel very, when I graduated massage therapy school Mm -hmm. in Halifax 20 years ago, when I came, when I graduated, I really was drawn to midwifery, Mm -hmm. but I had no intention of doing it in Halifax or Nova Scotia because they were so far behind Mm -hmm. and massage therapy as a registered profession was just starting to get known. So I was still Mm -hmm. trying to, re that whole mentality of masseuse and right you know the sexual induendos. so i was mm-hmm. like i'm not going to do that i've just spent far too long trying to accredit myself in a profession that's mm-hmm. a, that's you know is professional yeah that doesn't look like much has changed unfortunately in 20 no, years which I mean, is that
0: sad. That. yeah we i mean the official <laughs> midwifery program started um gosh it must be almost 12 years ago now um, the pilot program which was you know to have midwifery introduced into three sites and in, in Nova Scotia um, and it hasn't it hasn't extended it hasn't extended no. to yeah the rest of Nova Scotia so yeah it takes a very 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 long time for things to change here now that did that does mean that where there is um, the midwifery program it is covered by MSI so then people right the choice of either midwifery care or care with an obstetrician or a family doctor. But uh, yeah, we don't have it here yet.
1: And actually for my second birth, my, I was doing the yoga teacher training program Mm -hmm. when I found out I was pregnant with my second child, (coughs) James. And one of the students and peers in the class was a midwife. And she was the midwife who was in Nova Scotia when I had my first child doing the pilot program. She was setting it up. Ooh, Melissa, yeah. So
0: Wait, what was her last Melissa name? Melissa Bevan. <gasps> she Bevan. was my midwife. Oh,
1: <laughs> Melissa wife. is one of my closest friends. and uh, She delivered all three of my next babies.
0: Shut up. Yes, I so that is my midwife. I adore her. She, um, yes. We might edit this out later, but uh, she was my midwife for Elijah. I went to Anaganish so that I could have a midwife and she was my midwife. Oh, that's awesome. So
1: she but was delivering she your child when I didn't have her available for my child, oh, which is cool. Oh so then she came that's,
0: back. That's yeah. wild. But she, do you know what she um she wasn't on call when I actually went into labor. And oh. she had she's like, they won't let me come in if I'm not on call. I was like, Are you kidding? So she didn't actually get to attend, but the, the but care and best. the postpartum care was incredible. And I was really sad when she decided to leave, but I totally understood. Um, well, so
1: thank you for letting her go because she then came <laughs> my oh, That's, that's so awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't it wasn't a great, it just wasn't a great work environment for midwives. No. Yeah,
1: no. And I mean, and that's why she'd come because she loves Nova Scotia and she wanted it to become the profession here. So yeah, we talked many years about that actually. So, uh, but so I met her during this yoga teacher training yeah. and I'm like, oh, if I get pregnant again, I want you to deliver my babies, uh, not even knowing that I was actually already pregnant. <laughs> wow
0: that's amazing yes so okay so you had Ethan super short labor how was your recovery like you went home after just a few hours with a brand new baby first-time parent how was that
1: it was surprisingly easier than I expected because he slept right (laughs) that was his only time sleeping in his whole life (laughs) when he was just a newborn okay (laughs) we're like wow like he doesn't do anything he just sleeps there (laughs) (laughs) his first few days and then my milk came in and then things got more difficult because he really did struggle to feed i was a first-time mom i had inverted nipples that was like a whole and i was so determined that i was going to give this child the best start yep because he was so young and so so early
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: um he, between the two of us we were just clueless. I had no idea how to latch him he had no idea how to latch so my husband and uh Martin actually ended up being the most um, essential part of our feeding success was because there were times where I'd wake up so engorged just mm. sobbing and I'm like help me <laughs> so he would latch or he would express or yeah. I seem to have milk for the whole neighborhood. There was just right. so much milk and this little baby that couldn't drink it fast enough. Okay. And so that was, that was a very tricky and very um, stressful time. And people kept saying, give him a soother. And I didn't want to because we weren't established with our feeding. Yeah. And, uh, and then he never slept. Mm-hmm. So we would spend hours putting this poor little boy to sleep mm-hmm. and he would sleep for like 20 minutes and be awake again. So I slept with Ethan for the first two years on my body, vibrating (laughs) and moving in an upright position. Mm -hmm. And um so then when we had James, he his, you know, my focus in being a mom was still so much on (laughs) hello, Mm -hmm. was still so much on Ethan. Mm -hmm. Um but then you know you start to worry. I'm, I've spoken to so many parents who feel the same way, and it's amazing how much we worry about loving the second one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when we're so invested in the first child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like when we when we found out we were pregnant, I cried and I cried, and I was like, I can't, I just can't do another child. Like I'm so tired. <laughs> so tapped out so we we didn't tell anyone we were even expecting for a whole month because i'm like i have to be in a place where i can say i'm expecting and smile and not burst into
0: tears (laughs) and how awful that like we're not allowed that range of emotions when we discover that we're pregnant you know
1: no and then people saying like if you know the baby will know you know somehow through i don't know osmosis that you didn't want them right that second so you know, it's just all this stress and guilt mm-hmm. that you feel. Yeah. And then my mom came to visit and we were fighting quite a lot. So there was all this like, you know, the baby will come out fighting. The baby will come out fighting. And... Um, But James's pregnancy was very easy besides being an exhausted, never sleeping mom of a a one and a half year old. (laughs) (laughs) And I weaned Ethan because my nipples were too sore at the end. So I was like a year and a half. I'm like, you're done. I need like Mm -hmm. a month break before the next baby comes. (laughs) I didn't want a tandem nurse that had never intrigued me. I thought, I think people who do it are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I knew I was too tired. Yeah. to do that and uh, James was born at home with mid- with my wind wife yeah. Mel Aww. and you know we were friends and we had been doing the yoga teacher training together so we had mm-hmm. spoken much about like different yoga positions for birth and mm. I was still doing the, the um, hypnobirthing but mm-hmm. with um, a bit more internal knowledge about the expectations that were realistic and not as a second time mom Mm -hmm. and yeah James you know we we knew he was coming I started to go into labor I trusted that what I was feeling was real Mm -hmm. it was the first time I hadn't had any idea and I'd even signed a disclaimer with my midwife that if he came early that I would not be going to the hospital because I just knew that I would be okay and that it was like and the the disclaimer basically was they are saying if he's before 38 weeks, I should have him at the hospital. And I said, no, I signed that I'm taking that for response. And he was, I think he was 38 and a half. So he was like three days before like the official right. <laughs> clear zone. Yep. Um, but, you know, my husband's a first responder. I knew that my mm. midwives would take care of things. And I knew that I trusted that mm. things would be fine and I wouldn't be stupid. Yeah. Um, and he was born in a pool and in my spare bedroom and there were things all over my wall with different hypnobirthing sayings. And I had soft music on, I mean, really it was the most ideal birth. Right. And it was quick. I think from start to finish it was like two and a half hours. Whoa. And I was in the pool and I've, I mean, my photographer, I had a friend who's a photographer and she, mm. she came and she took photos during his birth.
0: <laughs> oh <my> god. <laughs> So beautiful. Yeah,
1: he came out and he was so quiet. He didn't cry. He was born. He w- he was born under the water, and mm-hmm. my dad cut his cord. And Martin hopped into the pool after he was born. Mm-hmm. Like everything was honestly, um, it was such a complete change, and it was everything that I expected on my first birth plan that I had then let go of for the second mm-hmm. one, knowing that regardless of how the baby comes into the world, I'm going to be there with my baby, and it'll be okay.
0: Hmm. and uh yeah like around for the labor and delivery
1: he went with my stepmother who did not want to be anywhere near the birth because she had heard me from outside the doors of the hospital and she's like never again will I listen to you cry like that and it was I mean now that I know it's just I mean I have a daughter who has Kayla has um, juvenile arthritis so that hearing your child in pain or fear Mm -hmm. Uh, is intense and I can understand how that would be a very difficult thing to listen to (laughs) so Mm -hmm. she took Ethan out while we were laboring and then he came back an hour after uh, James was born Mm -hmm. so I got pictures of him meeting his little brother for the first time Mm -hmm. and yeah it was it was quite beautiful so Mm -hmm. yeah you know throughout his birth I had been sad and then there had been a lot of emotions but he came out just exactly the opposite of what everyone said he came out quiet and calm and knowing Mm -hmm. (laughs) he was there just to step into that place that was his
0: yeah and so even though the labor was um what we would call a precipitous birth where it happens in less than five hours um you found it less intense and overwhelming than your first
1: yeah well and you know the hot water wow that made such a difference and yeah. and even the, the birth pool wasn't ready so I just said tomorrow I'm hopping in the bath while he was sorting it out and yeah. I'm like I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and stretch and hang out and do my own thing without mm-hmm. you <laughs> call me when it's ready <laughs> and and I I, did, I mean he was panicking because he was trying to get it all sorted out
0: oh <laughs> amazing yeah and then, that's and then so nice to be able to like just get out and go into your bed <laughs>
1: really was. And I had set up the bed, you know, the, the midwives give you instructions on how to set up the beds yep. so that you, you know, and they clean everything and they sort everything out. And I mean, they really just take care of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I birthed my baby. That was all I did. And Martin was my birthing partner. And he was the person that informed everyone <laughs> after <of> my cat. <laughs> <laughs> He was around for all of them too. (laughs) He's been around since the beginning. My cat is checking us out while we talk.
0: I love that. That's so sweet. And so then how was the postpartum with James?
1: Postpartum was tricky. Mm -hmm. It was much, uh, probably in hindsight, I probably had postpartum depression with Ethan. Okay. But had no idea Mm -hmm. because I kept being asked if I was sad. I wasn't sad. Right, I was pissed off all the time. I was so angry and raging. Mm-hmm. And after James was born, I still had not slept because of Ethan. And I was feeling this intense uh, fight between myself because I wanted to provide my newborn with what the newborn needed, but the oldest child needed so much more that I didn't feel like I had enough to give both. So there was resentment and frustration and I mean, pure, pure exhaustion. Yeah. And my, a good friend of mine had suggested that I might want to go and speak to my doctor.
2: Okay.
1: And um, you know, I was, I was quite hurt and didn't until one night um I had been up almost all night with Ethan between Ethan and the newborn James mm-hmm. and uh I closed my eyes and I had this vision of throwing Ethan across mm-hmm. the room and I was like oh my god I need help and I woke my husband up and I stopped and I'm like I just want it, I just want I don't want to hurt him I just want him to stop yeah <laughs> like, and um yeah it was so much shame yeah intense shame and Mm -hmm. guilt that i had felt that way and airing it out i mean i was so worried that martin would never forgive me for even thinking that Mm -hmm. and i mean he was only he was always supportive i mean guys really i'm very blessed to be partnering with him in this journey because he um if he has thought anything (laughs) Mm -hmm besides complete support he has kept that to himself which is very appreciated yeah i saw a doctor and i went on to an antidepressant and Mm -hmm. and that's when i really started to become much more empowered about the difference between um postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression i didn't i never had depression i was never sad i never cried yeah i got incredibly busy i got incredibly anxious i couldn't breathe i always Mm -hmm. felt like i was breathing in my neck And, um, jittery all the time, right? like shaky and nervous. And I was worried all the time that something bad would happen to the kids mm-hmm. or that I would screw up somehow or,
2: yeah.
1: and, and angry. So mm-hmm. I just, I mean, even now to these days, sometimes I lay with my four-year-old and he doesn't want to sleep or he's messing around. And I think, you know, that I had so little ability to find compassion in those moments, when Ethan was little, because I was just so worn out
0: Yeah,
1: and um, yeah, it's a very different mindset. Very Mm -hmm. scary.
0: It's so scary. I also had postpartum anxiety Um, and it took me a really long time to recognize that it wasn't normal to have the fears that I had, um, that it wasn't, it's very common, but Oops. I was just like, oh, I'm a new parent. This is just what we do. We worry, you know, like yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to go in the car because I would envision these like fiery, awful car crashes off a bridge and be like, oh, that's scary. And then I was like, <laughs> with my, and I knew like, at some point I, I realized, oh gosh, I think I have a postpartum mood disorder. Um, didn't need medication, but needed to take steps to cope with it. And with my second, I was prepared. I was like, this is very likely, this is going to happen again. Yeah. Um, and it did. And it was like, I knew it was, I, I, well, I guess you can never predict, but I was like, I'm pretty sure this is going to happen again. So I'm just going to know that like, I'm probably going to worry about things that may or may not be actual real things I need to worry about. Um, there might be intrusive thoughts where I, I remember I didn't, I didn't envision throwing Elijah, but I did, um, I like had this, I was scared to like stand close to the window. Cause I thought I would just drop him out on purpose. Like just be like, boops. <laughs> And I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why would that thought ever pop into my head? And I remember thinking like, am I, am I a psychopath? Like, am I a legitimate psychopath? And nope, I just had intrusive thoughts with postpartum anxiety and it, it passes. And, you know, there are so many tools and people to help, but, you know, I, I needed counseling. I needed a lot of support to kind of get through that Mm That stage. And I think it's way more common than we expect. Like it's super common to have a postpartum mood disorder.
1: It is. And it's, you know, you you, I think because we we've talked so much about depression postpartum that yeah. I really expected that if I was having a postpartum mood disorder, I would be sad and tearful. And I mean, I was way more in control on the outside than I'd yeah. ever been in my entire life. But inside, I was swearing inside all the time. Just shut the fuck up. Stop fucking crying. Just mm-hmm. shut up. Like constantly, the intensity in my being was so yeah. big. Yeah. And, and then the guilt. Yep. So I'd think that and then I'd be just self-loathing from all the guilt. What a terrible parent. How can I even think that? Like I think I hate this kid. I really just wish he would fucking stop. And then I'd be like, "Oh, my god. He's going to know. Somehow I'm going to put this on him. Like, I'm going to ruin his whole life because he's going to know that I did. I love him more for like one moment in his existence." Mm. And um yeah. So that was very intense. The the medication definitely helped and I got some psychological assessment uh, like I went and saw a counselor and
2: mm. and
1: then then we got pregnant with Kayla and um that was another surprise. I wasn't expecting Mm-hmm. to get pregnant again. We actually at that point we were like we're done. No more. And then oops. Cat <laughs> just pulled my ear off <laughs> <laughs> And then um yeah, I I just suddenly was wanting another baby. Yeah. And I probably was already pregnant when I was thinking that. And <laughs> we we got pregnant quite quickly with Kayla and her pregnancy was much more difficult okay so she was considered a spinning baby okay so she just never stopped moving she was always in different positions she Mm -hmm. was so uncomfortable it felt like she was pushing on every internal organ right (laughs) obviously and the midwives at one point said that it was probably because I'd had so many babies. I had already had three pregnant, you know, she was my third pregnancy. So my right. body was already assuming position. She was probably a tiny baby. Yeah. There was lots of space in there. So she could move. Mm-hmm. No, that's just who my daughter is now is this huge personality in this tiny little body. And she has great big, massive movements oh. and she just loves life in that way <laughs> with, um, with movement and song and dance and, all those things. So, um, I was sore Mm -hmm. and tired and, um, yeah, she came on her due date, which felt really late because the other two were early. (laughs) So it felt like she was never going to (laughs) arrive. Yeah. And, um, we right up until the end, the last like month we had gone and had an ultrasound, I think once a week because she just, kept changing positions she wouldn't yeah. engage in the right place and then when we when we did go into labor she was turned so she was back labor and at one point I think my midwives even said have a bath have a glass of wine she needs yep. to stay in there it's too soon <laughs> I was like okay she yeah she just seemed like I had oh yeah, I had Braxton Hicks contractions, like 90% of the pregnancy, it felt oh like. No. And then early labor for the last two months. Mm-hmm. And so by the time she came out, between between her pre-labour fiasco and two boys that were consuming my energy and my mm-hmm. my life at that point. Um, yeah, I was really tired. And we so we had planned her as a home birth unless. We needed to go to the hospital which we knew at mm-hmm. even until the last day that she may end up needing to be a cesarean because she just kept flipping around so she was i don't remember the right terminology but she was face back and then she was upside down and then she was okay. sideways oh my gosh she just would not get, get into position uh, <sighs> and um, then yeah she was born in the water uh, as well and uh, it was very fast i think it was an hour and a half
0: Oh my her God. labor
1: when she finally decided she was ready and uh but about an hour of it was with martin in the birthing pool with me uh helping me in different positions to turn her so she was even in labor she was still determined to come her own way and uh i mean i've got photos my mom was in in Canada at the time and she took photos and videos of the whole birth Mm -hmm. probably to help the experience be easier for her (laughs) looking at her birthing daughter through a lens probably was easier but um yeah she we just really struggled with positioning so that was actually the most intense birth Mm -hmm. even though I'd had the two before and I knew what was going on I had the water everything was exactly how I wanted but um I just remember talking to her and, and saying, come on, baby, it's time for you to come out. And then begging her at one point. <laughs> and then we, um, I, she started to crown and I could feel her. So I, I, and that was, you know, that was something that I remember deeply because I never was, I was too scared to feel Ethan when he crowned. Yeah but then after that i was like i'm going to my babies so i'd felt james before he crowned when he crowned and i'd felt kayla but then kayla stopped like the it's almost like the labor just stopped right there yep. nothing was progressing nothing was going forward and um, so i just said to my midwife mel something's wrong mm-hmm. and which is the first time cuz the midwives and they their um the way that they always treated birthing and the way that they explained it was that they were there simply as lifesavers mm-hmm. they observe from the side they do not interfere until and if they are needed that was it they don't shout you don't save drowning you, you don't save someone who's not drowning because exactly. people yep. drown them <clears throat> and that was uh, Mel looked worried and she does not have a good poker face and i also knew her as a friend we had been friends at that point for four four years yep. so I knew that something was wrong even though she was pretending to be very cool and calm and collected mm-hmm. <laughs> and um so she and the second midwife started to work mm-hmm. on the baby while was I was still um laboring mm-hmm. and then she just came out was like boop, 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 and there was a baby born and she was a very funny blue color <laughs> Yeah. And she wasn't making any noise. And so they um, they took her out of the water pretty quickly and they were working on her. And so what had happened afterwards, I found out was she had had the cord wrapped around her neck, probably from spinning around all pregnancy. Yeah. And she had gotten as far as she possibly could. And then she had been strangling. So, yeah. But I didn't know any of that because they're amazing. <laughs> my
0: goodness. Yeah.
1: And, um, and my yeah, she was perfectly healthy after that. That was it. Wow. I mean, you know, until now, but that's got nothing to do with her birth. But so, yeah, that was another, I mean, a beautiful example of the midwives just knowing exactly where they are needed and how, and just being really qualified uh, to handle anything.
2: And maintaining that,
0: like, that calm, assurance which is so often needed okay. that might be a little complicated you
1: know. yes I mean and afterwards I was looking at the videos mm-hmm. and the photos that my mom had taken and I was like oh my god you guys were really worried because I had no idea I was involved very deeply right. there was yes. no connection to the outside world at all it was mm-hmm. me and Martin and Martin's voice and at that point Martin was like breathe in breathe out yeah. breathe in and I was just focused I had I was so tired and so um beautifully connected to what was happening inside that i didn't i mean i had no idea who was there and um but yeah there was quite a lot of concern around the room that i luckily didn't see so that i mean amazing i think people also get worried that they'll you know when you know when when you're first planning your birth, you're worried about what's going to happen around you totally the power of birthing is that you don't really give a shit <laughs> what's happening around no. you. We know when they like talking about like, you know, people go and, you know, in Africa, they give birth in a field. It's because it's not about the rest of the environment. You need to be safe. Your baby needs to be safe and you need to just do what you need to do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there could have been a thousand people and they're all worried, but I have no idea. It was not my problem. Yeah. My problem was, you know, I had the internal dialogue with my body and my baby hey sweetheart it's time (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) yeah oh my goodness and Mm -hmm. and also not being fearful of the sounds I was making or Mm. you know because that I guess it comes with confidence maybe in your own body and your ability is that you know I swear just before I give birth, apparently, in all of them. And I was like, I'm so sorry, i was swearing. And I'm like, fuck, fuck. And they're like, I'm so sorry. And the first two births. And then after that, I was like, guess what I do just before I give birth? I vomit and then I swear. That's usually <laughs> my signs, apparently. <laughs> so, so even at that point, Martin was like, I was like, I'm so sorry. And my husband was like, uh, that means baby's coming. It's all good.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Why, thank you for <laughs> reminding me. That's amazing. And
1: you know her birth was good and it worked out fine, but I had a really hard postpartum with her even even more so and I knew that that was my risk because I'd been there. Uh, but it was so intense that I was like, I'm done, my,
0: my marriage is finished, I'm over. So your postpartum um, was rough again.
1: Yeah, that was the hardest. that was definitely the worst one
0: okay because i i thought i knew better so i could do better i guess
2: right
1: still um and i was still working full-time with three babies oh my god and uh trying really hard to balance my life and at that point Mm -hmm. we had a diagnosis for ethan or we were in the process of having a diagnosis so Mm -hmm. you know i knew that he wasn't going to outgrow the things that he needed at that point so there was um exhaustion Mm -hmm. and um yeah i just wanted a divorce (sighs) That was how I was to solve all my problems. Right. <laughs> I was leaving my husband. And he was like, how would that help? And I'm like, you can have the kids half-time. I'll have them half-time. I will sleep right. for a week. And then I'll be a good mom in the week. Uh, I mean, you know, I joke about it now, but I really, our marriage was was um at the worst it's ever been mm-hmm. at that time and then I got on um medication again I was seeing this like the the counselor again and she was like you know who's your biggest supporter and I'm like my husband <laughs> and she's like hmm amazing how the people that like are actually in our life supporting us are the ones that we think we can move out she's like you can't get rid of him you have to find something else to get rid of if you're too tired and overwhelmed. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was that was very hard. I don't know how we made it through. Really, time. They all grew up. Sorry, she brought
0: her toilet paper in to show us. Mm-hmm. Oh,
1: good. Clean. <laughs> the clean, <keen> the clean one. Good.
0: <laughs> um. So then, did you and Martin? Um. Did you like go for like couples counseling or?
1: No, I went for counseling and the medication started to help. And I started to, um, I didn't really know how I got through it really. I think the kids just started to get older and I got really, I had really great care. So um, Kayla and James at that point were in daycare with a um, home daycare right around the corner so i could go and breastfeed between clients if i wanted to And she was right there and she was wonderful she actually was at kayla's birth so um that made a big difference community support i surrounded myself with lots of moms um and and martin at the time was working as a volunteer firefighter and his full-time job was fire prevention in a small town so he was on call 365 days a year and Um, I guess I just realized one day I said to him, you're so unreliable and he was so hurt. And I'm like, it's not you. It's that the career that you're in that I a hundred percent supported. I can't rely on you in my circle as a mom. Mm -hmm. Like when you're home, that's great. It's like a bonus, but I can never rely on you being here constantly or full time. Or so I really had to, it was a, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work in our marriage since then.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and he was also at a stage where his focus and goal was providing and protecting and supporting us. And that meant working all the time so that Mm -hmm. he could bring in money to provide and provide protect. And I had thought we were going to this partnership, you know, equally in all levels, which was my own naivety. Mm -hmm. And, um, he wasn't able to provide that. I mean, and, you know, he definitely provided and supported in the capacity that he could, um, but I didn't realize I would need the community support Yeah, and I didn't want to need the community support. I was yeah. determined that we would do it ourselves <laughs> and that asking for help would be weak. And I mean, it took a lot of, um, of moments of not managing yeah. bursting into tears randomly when I was overwhelmed or not coping and, and, and having to help get help
0: mm-hmm.
1: from friends and people who wanted to help.
0: <laughs> yeah there's always people who
1: want to help. let them in so it was about growth really yeah i think that's true yeah, I know. yeah. that's something
0: i always try to teach and clients people is- who
1: have been there before and i really believe we connect with people we connect with people that i think we are meant to either learn from or teach mm-hmm. and you know I am now connecting with people who are either parents or who are young moms or who mm-hmm. are going through the same thing I've been through yeah. and I'm able to be there as mentor and guider and supporter the way that that I had in my life except mm. I you know I, w- I wish in hindsight that I'd been able to graciously accept it quicker <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which you know is part of the journey yeah <laughs> it's not is yeah. knowing that you're not weak
0: totally. when you accept help I think that's part of a lot of people's yeah. journeys. And I know, um, I always make that a point when I'm working with people, either as their doula or their childbirth educator, that it is essential that we get used to asking for help. Um, especially when we're feeling really resistant to it. Like, no, 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 I should yeah. be able to do this on my own. Like if you find yourself being like, no, I should be able to, I should be able nope, nope. That is when you absolutely need to like, shut that shit down and ask for help, like right away, you know, and, and, yeah, and get that, like, like the guilt and the shame out of it. Like there's just, there's, there's yeah. so much guilt and shame and, and most of it needs to go away because it's not serving anyone. It's not serving the kids. It's not serving us.
1: Yeah. And you know, I think it's as a, as a mom, when you're in that place, it's really important to figure out what it is you need yes I mean and you can't keep saying I, I, it's, a, it's a trap we get into this like rut of I don't know I'm so overwhelmed I don't know I can't yeah. see I can't see yeah. and someone just one day said to me what do you need from me and I'm like I don't know she's like that's bullshit you do know you're just yep. too scared to tell me so yeah. think about what you is it picking up a kid is it cooking you a meal what do you need and mm-hmm. I'm like oh my god I just my house is dirty and it's stressing me out and she's like good I'll be there and she paid for someone to come and clean my house for a month yeah like once a week, this woman showed up and she cleaned my house. And I'm like, oh my God, That you don't have to do that. She's like, I don't, but I want to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you said, that's what you needed. And that's what I'm providing. Yeah. And really... I think saying, I don't know, is such a cop-out because we're just so scared to ask for help. Yeah, But it has to start there with what do you need? Like, Because if someone is giving you help that you don't need, it makes it worse. Oh my God. I don't want your food because every time you send me food, it has mushrooms in it. And my husband won't eat the mushrooms. Then I'm listening to a bitch and I'm trying to feel you know what I mean? Like, please don't (laughs) cook me food. It's a really valid thing. And so if someone says, I can help you buy and it doesn't help, then knowing that it's okay to say no thank you but you know what would be useful is a coffee exactly (laughs) i know that's one thing that yeah
0: if you come to visit me
1: you have to bring me food because i'm starving all the time please bring me food if you come bring me something from tins i don't care what it is
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's hard sometimes when we're in the thick of it to be like what do i actually need i don't know but if we sit for a moment and are still, we can actually be like, oh, what I really need right now is to take a bath. What I really need right now is to just like yes. go outside and not have a baby, brush my teeth. Me. you know, brush my teeth, yeah. whatever. Um, go for an hour and have coffee with a friend. Like there's so many things, but yeah, I know one client like really just wanted me to go over and cook a very specific muffin recipe. She wanted me to bake muffins for her. She's <laughs> That's like, awesome. I really want these muffins. I really can't make them can you just come make these muffins? I'm like, yes, that would be wonderful. I'd love to help you in that way. And so I think, yeah, learning to ask for help and learning to ask for the help that you actually need is essential. And also like (laughs) helping all the people around, you know, like, hey, if you want to help, ask what I need. Ask what's helpful. Because yeah, Yeah. it looks different for everyone. It really does. Yeah. And then, you know,
1: obviously I had one more baby and he was super unexpected. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So we had already decided we were not having any more children. Mark had a vasectomy booked and um, we had to cancel it because his immigration came in and he was getting sworn in as a citizen the same day. So we're like, oh, "Oh, we don't say no to the government. Ah. And then two more appointments were canceled because the doctor had emergencies. So we had three appointments canceled before Matthew was born and we'd use protection and I used the morning after pill. He was meant to be here regardless. Wow. And after we got pregnant, my doctor's like, there's options. And I'm like, yeah, we, we took care of most of the options. That didn't work out. This kid is coming. Whether <laughs> we like it or not.
0: Oh my <laughs> and, gosh.
1: Uh, yeah. And his his birth was, he he, he changed everything in many ways because mm-hmm. I was too, I was too much a mom at that point to be a full-time professional. Right. And he helped me see that. And it Mm. changed my whole identity and the story and my attachment to who I was. You know, me, I'm the massage therapist. I'm the business owner. I'm active in my community and blah, 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 blah. And then this fourth baby came in five years and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sending my kids to school when they're sick. I'm not going to raise my kids on um, morning routine and evening routine. Like yeah. that's all I did was the horrible morning routine and the horrible evening routine and everyone else got to enjoy my children all the rest of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I know the struggle. In it. Painful these things. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> like, that's that's my I life so right much now. money and I never see my children and I have no money. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it is a real struggle. So yes, he you know, he was that uh the baby that that changed everything in that way, and he was born in an hour. Like Mel, almost didn't make it. I called and I'm like, "Going into labor right now. Jump in the pool." Martin's like, "It's not ready. Don't care. Move out my way. I'm hopping in. The baby's coming." <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my god! And there was like, I don't know. I was looking at pictures now. There were like nine people at the house. I guess at that point, I was like, "Yeah, sure. You want to see a birth? Come on over." <laughs> it's like, long. <laughs> Come on over. I have a baby. <laughs> And uh, then because he was so quick, I ended up in shock. <laughs> my child oh my didn't know it was a thing. Yep. So Mel, actually, this beautiful, gentle human being, was like, everyone out! <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, you're so intense. I love it. <laughs> she literally like kicked everyone out of my house. Uh, She'd make me, she made me eat. Yep. <laughs> she just made me lay still. So yeah, she checked me about four times within like three days because, yeah, yeah I was in shock. And I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Baby came too fast.
0: <laughs> well, because imagine like I've heard people be like, oh, I wish I, I you know, I want to have one of those really quick labors. I'm like, okay, wait, <laughs> imagine going from zero to 10, literally in, you know, a matter of minutes where normally not yeah. normally, because there's so many variations of normal, but like often we expect it to be a process that takes a little longer. So you have time to like get used to each stage that you're going through where like the precipitous precipitous births it's just like there's no time to actually no you can't stay on top of that you know what i mean it's just like bam yeah. bam, bam done what? well martin went right. to
1: work at 8 a.m yeah and at nine i'm like ooh, i think i might be in labor mm-hmm. i'll check and see how this goes 9 30 i'm like oh you need to come home right now and he's like oh i'm like oh like gosh. right now and he he worked like 10 minutes from the house so he got home and i'm like yeah i'm gonna call mel now and i called her and she's like i'm at aurelia i'll be an hour and i'm like you you're not gonna make it <laughs> Oh my she's like, oh, okay, I'll be there as soon as I can. And he oh was still trying to blow up the pool and fill it up. And I'm like, get ah. out of my way. This baby's crowning. And he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm so, he's like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, nope sorry. <laughs> like, oh this baby's coming God. right now. Oh and yeah, she walked in as he was being delivered. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad I made your birth. Ah. <laughs> like, you almost missed it. <laughs> it was literally an hour from the time I was like, oh, wait, oh I'm in active labor. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> wow so, wow yeah that's incredible but it's uh i highly recommend birthing <laughs> 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 my sister's pregnant work. and i'm like oh my god it's so wonderful i'm so excited <laughs> birth is so wonderful no matter how it works i think yeah it's it's bound to change you immensely in every possible way yeah and you know i mean there's so much science and how it actually changes your brain which is super cool and how Mm -hmm. um it changes it just changes everything the way you think the way you feel the way you perceive life and uh, i was telling ethan the other day because he still doesn't sleep and i said you know when you walk into the room uh in the middle of the night and i wake up straight away i wasn't awake Mm -hmm. i was woken by your presence because we're connected yeah hopefully that doesn't last forever because you're driving me crazy but then when so I wake up in fight or flight and then when you say things like I off my phone now then I'm in anger because I'm like whoa you're not dying now I'm mad (laughs) so yep Yep. yeah it really is this very cool um quite insanely frustrating connection that that there is there I know forever
0: apparently (laughs) it's wild yeah yeah, I mean yours are older than mine. Well, your eldest is older than mine than my eldest and but yeah, like if they walk in in the night, I'm just like I sit up and I'm just like, "What?" And then they'll like say this ridiculous yes. thing and I'm just like, "Did you just woke me up to tell me that you had a dream about a marshmallow?" Like, <laughs> go back to bed. Anyway, and then they often end up in my bed. So, I often wake up. Yes every possible creature in this house, minus the chickens and the guinea pigs um, and <laughs> goodness. in my bed. And I'm just like, oh great, this is great. Um,
1: yeah. yeah, I still bed hop, because I, yep. I don't want to sleep with all my children anymore because they're too big and they move around too much. So <laughs> they'll come to my bed and I'll sneak out when they're asleep and I'll go sleep in their bed. <laughs>
0: that is so smart I almost did that was it last night or the night before right my apartment is so hot and I'm like oh it's making me so angry I'm just so hot and so I consider (laughs) that when when I move Elda will like wake up like she's also they also Uh, have that connection right so she wants to be like snuggled yeah. By me. And so there are sometimes I'm like, I need to roll over. I'm uncomfortable and in pain. I'm going to roll over. And she'll just be like, Snuggles, snuggles. I'm like, No. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's my four year old right now. And I wake up every morning in pain because I'm like, Why did I stay in that position for so long? That was so stupid. I did because the child was attached to me.
0: <laughs> yes. And they Again, legitimately so. <laughs> don't want you to roll over. Although Elda's getting better because I'm like, probably because I got to a point where I was like, sweetie, I'm not willing to hurt my body anymore because you want me in a certain position. I will lay next <laughs> to you. You can snuggle up to me. I love you so much. I don't want to hurt my shoulders from lying on my side, like all wrapped around you all night, <laughs> every night for eternity. But <laughs> Yeah. We know it won't be for eternity, but it feels like it sometimes. It does in the moment. It certainly does. And
1: and and then they're 10 and you're like, whoa, every morning I wake up and I'm like, how did you guys grow another foot last night? Like, you well, stood it.
0: No. yeah. The days are long. I always tell people, like, people are like, oh, the time goes so fast. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It drags by no. at a snail's pace um, when you look at the days and the weeks. But like the years, yes. When, when I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, the years do seem to pass quite quickly, but the days can feel um, endless.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I, especially when you're in survival mode, I mean, and really having a baby is survival. Oh,
0: don't do that.
1: So Sorry. yeah, that's what I remember saying to people is that when you're in the throes of it, you're not living, you're surviving and you just have to give yourself a lot of grace because survival, um, is hundred percent of what you can manage. <laughs> And sometimes hundred percent looks like 2% when you're not in survival mode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I just need to keep you alive. That's the only thing that needs to happen today. You need yeah. to live to see tomorrow. Exactly. And that doesn't have to be perfect.
0: No, nothing ever has to be perfect. I don't know that it can ever be perfect. No, no.
1: I, I can't look back now and I'm like, how did I go like a whole week without showering? Like, how did I not find a second to even shower? I, I mean, there were, There were weeks where I'm like, I don't, I don't remember when I showered or brushed my teeth because, because I was surviving.
0: Yeah. Who cares if you smell bad when you're surviving? (laughs) Yeah. And I know I often tell people, you know, like we, we don't want people to get to like that survival place, you know, like we want people to start their postpartum and be able to thrive, which requires so many other people. Yeah. To support them so that they can do that it's really it's a yeah. challenge so we're going to wrap that up here um <laughs> because my child is at her the end of her capacity She's had
1: her time yes absolutely
0: thank you so 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 much for sharing your stories um they're amazing and i would love if you're into it and up to it at some point um, to like have a specific time where we talk just about your postpartum and and all of the things you've done since becoming a mother to four that have really shifted your mindset and your state of health and well being and just the life that you're living now as a homeschooling parent and a stay at home parent. Yeah, I think that would be an amazing um, an amazing thing to share with folks because it's um, we do have homeschoolers, but it's still <laughs> something that's like relatively you know like we don't have a. That. We don't have a lot of homeschoolers here so i think no, there's not a lot no. so thank you so much deborah i am so excited to share your stories and um and then people can can hear them and be inspired and encouraged and know that you know the journeys happen and we surrender to them and they're all beautiful
1: that is a very beautiful way to end that exactly you just we need to surrender and be okay because it will be okay
0: Thank you so much for joining me on This Is Where You Came From. Check in every week for a new episode with different guests. There will be birth professionals. There will be people who are taking their dreams and making them into a reality. Uh, People who are working to shift Our cultural narratives and to really make the world a better place. So I really hope that you find these conversations as inspiring and wonderful as I do, and that you can feel the sense of connection that we are working on cultivating. So I thank you for listening. I thank you for being here. Please share with your friends if you find these conversations um, helpful to you in any way. And please follow us on Spotify and wherever else you find your podcasts. You can give us a follow on Instagram at this is where you came from. And I look forward to further conversations. So enjoy, enjoy this time. And we'll see you next week.